I just have to show y'all, Rebecca got me a special gift, these great magnets that fit on my pages to hold them open. Um, they seem to have gotten legs or wheels and kind of going back and forth the last couple weeks. So anyway, uh, it's a great gift. Well, I'm so glad to be with y'all tonight. Uh, we're going to be in... Um, we're going to be in Amos chapter 1, so if you would turn there with me, if you're in the church's Bible, we'll be on page 1056. So each week we've been doing a bit of review, and not just review, but, but understanding that, that each one of these judgments that Amos gives builds on one another. And like the, the stanzas in a poem or lyrics in a song, they are not just independent of one another, but they are connected. And so um, I put them here along with kind of a one-word explanation for each of these judgments that the Lord has Amos to give on these different cities and these different nations. And so I've, I've ordered them along with, um, with where they are on this map with the numbers. So you'll remember the first nation that we talked about was Damascus. And Damascus was... Um, and is being judged by God for their cruelty and war. And so Damascus is up at the very northern part, up in Syria, so far north of where Israel is. The second nation, um, really city, is Gaza, and Gaza is in Philistia. And so Gaza was judged for their exploitation of the Israelites, for selling them into slavery. Number three is Tyre, and we read about Tyre in Amos chapter 1, verse 9, and so Tyre is up at the top to the northwest of Israel, and Tyre betrayed the covenant of brotherhood that was established by David and Solomon, along with Hiram, the king of Tyre. So number four is Edom. And Edom is down here, far south of Israel. And Edom is this brother nation. Edom comes from Esau. This brother nation that had enmity and refused to have compassion on Israel again and again, but instead harbored anger and wrath. And tonight we'll talk about Ammon. So Ammon is the fifth, and you can see Ammon here on this map. Um, at this point in time... Um, during Amos's day, Ammon was a bit smaller of a nation than it once was. So Ammon is directly to the east of Israel, and as we'll study, the judgment against Ammon is for their murder of Israelites. So next week, we'll talk about Moab and the week after Judah before getting to Israel. So we can... Um, yeah, we can go away from this map for now, but hopefully this gives kind of a picture, and next week we'll, we'll move on to Ammon. But seeing, I guess also, 
even just these, these simple words, that as we see them chronologically, that they, 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 they grow in a sense, not only of the type of evil that they are, but of, in a sense, the proximity. Every one of these nations begins to surround Israel, you can see. So Israel is, in a sense, surrounded on all sides by the enemy. And these atrocities that these other nations commit against God's people begin to narrow in from cruelty and war to slavery to betraying brothers to having enmity with brothers to now tonight murdering brothers. So Ammon is still around today. Uh, if we were to look at a map, Ammon, spelled then with an O, is now spelled with an A, A-M-M-A-N, and Ammon is the capital city of the nation of Jordan. So read with me, we'll be in Amos chapter 1, we'll read verses 13 through 15. Amos says, Thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of the people of Ammon, and for four, I will not turn away its punishment. Because they ripped open the women with child in Gilead, that they might enlarge their territory. But I will kindle a fire in the wall of Rabah, and it shall devour its palaces, amid shouting in the day of battle, and a tempest in the day of the whirlwind. Their king shall go into captivity, he and his princes together, says the Lord. So similar to the other judgments that we have read, this nation has committed three transgressions and four, and the fullness of evil against Israel. It says, because they ripped open the women with child in Gilead, that they might enlarge their territory. So Gilead, you can see on this map right here, is in the territory of Israel. And Roger, if you wouldn't mind to turn off just the lights up here for a moment, and y'all can see these lines even more clearly. So Judah is separated by the border here. And Ammon is separated between Israel here. Gilead is right here. So, who is Ammon? Because I think that we read of Ammon often in the Old Testament. We see them going into battle and war with Israel and other nations. Um, last week we studied about the Edomites being relatives of Israel. The Ammonites are relatives as well. So the Ammonites come from Lot... Abraham's nephew. That should be significant in and of itself to us to think of the Ammonites coming from Lot. You remember the story. When Lot and Abraham, their, their capital grew, their animals, their flocks, their needs grew, there came a time for them to separate and to um, have their own people and their own land and their own area. So Abraham and Lot decided they needed to part ways, and Abraham gave Lot the first choice of where to go. Lot chose the very fertile valley around the base of the Jordan River. 
So the Jordan River is right here, and it feeds directly into the Dead Sea. So Lot chose this area here around the base of the Jordan River. Genesis 13.12 states that he moved his tents as far as Sodom, one of the cities on the plain, where the people were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. So things get really bad from here for Lot. He makes a series of terrible physical choices, but more importantly, a terrible spiritual choices. And really choosing this land was the first of his poor spiritual choices because he was choosing of the flesh. He was choosing an area that was known for exceeding evil, but was also known for fertile land. So he was choosing this area because of its fertile land, because it was near the base of the river and near the Dead Sea, but an area known for evil. So things get bad, um, so bad in Sodom, that some angels had to deliver Lot and his family from Sodom. Even amongst all we know about, about Lot's complicitness in this evil, God had mercy on him and aimed to deliver him. So some angels deliver Lot and his family from Sodom. His wife is turned into a pillar of salt for her disobedience, leaving Lot and his two daughters as the sole survivors of his clan. So let's turn together and read in Genesis chapter 19 about what happens next for Lot. Genesis chapter 19 will be, if you have the church's Bible, on page 19. We'll read verses 30 through 38. It reads, Then Lot went up from Zoar and dwelt in the mountains. Now, I should pause there. If we studied Zoar a little bit, the angels led Lot to Zoar because it was a place of safety. So Lot is in a place of safety established by the angels of God, yet we read here that he went out of Zoar and dwelt in the mountains. And his two daughters were with him, for he was afraid to dwell in Zoar, and he and his two daughters dwelt in a cave. That's so interesting. How often do we leave the places of security to dwell in a cave outside of the Lord's protection? Verse 31 says, Now the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is no man on earth to come to us, as is the custom of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, and we may preserve the lineage of our father. So they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father. And he did not know that she lay down or when she arose. It happened on the next day that the firstborn said to the younger, Indeed, I lay with my father last night. Let us make, drink, let us make him drink wine tonight also, and you go in and lie with him that we may preserve the lineage of our father. Then they made their father drink wine that night also, and the younger arose and lay with him, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. Thus both of the daughters of Lot were with child by their father. The firstborn bore a son and called his name Moad. He is the father of the Moabites to this day. 
And the younger, she also bore a son and called his name Ben-Ami. He is the father of the people of Ammon to this day. So, Lot's daughters conceived a plan to lay with their father and each become pregnant by their own father in order to keep the lineage of Lot going. Now, it does not say that Lot conceded to this plan, that Lot didn't know about it, but think about the things that have just taken place. For Lot has left the city of evil in Sodom. He has been ushered out under protection of these angels to a place of safekeeping in Zoar and decided to leave a place in Zoar who knows what God might have done in that place where he had led him to. He leaves that place of protection. So his daughters have been influenced by the things that Lot has brought his family into. They have two incestuous children from their father. From Lot's daughters come two peoples we just read, the Moabites and the Ammonites. Moab means from my father. Ab means father and Mo means from. So the people of Moab are named for an incestuous relationship between the daughter of Lot and Lot. The other child, Ben, uh, that we know as the Ammonites, the name it says here in verse 38 is Ben-Ami. Ben means son or kin and Ami means, excuse me, Ben means son, and Ami means my kin, son of my kin. A name similar to Moab, but a name that further means that this is an incestuous child from his father. So both of these people groups were from these relationships between the children, between the daughters of Lot and Lot. These are relatives of Israel because Lot is a relative of Abraham. So there is a lot of background besides this that bring together this relationship between Israel and Ammon. So first let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 2. We'll go over just a few pages. Deuteronomy chapter 2. So before their entry into the promised land, um, God is telling the Israelites some very important things. We'll read two verses in chapter 2. First we'll read verse 9. Verse 9 says, Then the Lord said to me, this is Moses, Do not harass Moab, nor contend with them in battle. For I will not give you any of their land as a possession, because I have given R to the descendants of Lot as a possession. Next, look across the page to verse 19. So we've just read about Moab. Now we'll read about Ammon. Verse 19 says, And when you come near the people of Ammon, do not harass them or meddle with them, for I will not give you any of the land of the people of Ammon as a possession, because I have given it to the descendants of Lot as a possession. So what I'll tell you is that on this map here, the land that at this time was known as Ar 
is really this whole area. It encompasses a large area that God would in fact give to these two nations that came from Lot. Now these were incestuous relationships that were not what God had planned, but God still had a plan for Abraham and his relatives. So God gave this land to Ammon and to Moab. And he tells Moses here that they are not to be messed with or meddled with, that God will not give him them any of this land it is promised to these people. Moab and Ammon would, well, Ammon would enlarge their borders from the southeast of the Dead Sea to, to the Gilead region. So Ammon would eventually be from here way up here. Roger, if you'd go on to the next map, please. And go to, yeah, I mean, this map doesn't illustrate it as well because some of the lands would often change depending on battles and wars. If you'd go one more, please, Roger. Ammon would, in fact, have the land from right here to all the way up here. So their, their property would overtake what is known as the Gilead region, which is more than just the city Gilead, which was about here, but it was a whole region. It was kind of like a city-state. So if we, go, if we go back one, Roger, please. This is a map that, that depicts Israel's journey once they left Egypt. And you can see they had a long, long, long journey that kind of took a lot of turns before they would ultimately cross over into Canaan. So, before Israel was to pass into Canaan, you can see that area that is the red circle with the blue dot. So that represents Gilead as a region, and the blue dot would be Gilead as a city. Ammon is right there. So, before, Jordan, before Israel would come and across the Jordan River, excuse me, let me pause there for a second. I'm sorry. Ammon didn't initially have Gilead, as we saw from one of those earlier maps. Ammon would go to war with the Amorites, who we may have heard about. They wanted this land, Gilead. The original promise even to the descendants of Lot and the Moabites and the Ammonites did not, did not include Gilead. So I'm so sorry. If you'd go back one map for me, please, Roger. Um, one more, please. Okay. The initial plots that God had really given to Ammon and Moab didn't include Gilead and did not go up north of where they are there. So I'm sorry, I know I've kind of gone back and forth. Is everybody tracking for the most part? Okay. So Ammon went to war with the Amorites. There's a king named King Sihon um, that they went to war with to take Gilead. Gilead was an area that was incredibly fertile. 
It had great soil, and it was coveted by the Ammonites. Okay. So, Roger, if you could go to the third map now, please. So, um, one, one more, please. Sorry. So, as Israel is going through their journey to come into Canaan, they get to the edge of the Jordan River. At this point in time, Gilead has been taken back by the Amorites from the Ammonites. I know those are really close. So at this point in time, there's Ammon, but that red area is no longer in their control. It belongs to the Amorites. Israel is going to cross into Jordan, and as we'll read in a minute, they decide they want this land. And they're willing to stop before their conquest into Canaan and go to battle with the Amorites and King Sihon to take possession of that land. The Ammonites are a little excited about this because it had been stolen from them before. But now they're not very excited because their distant relatives have come and taken this land from the people who took it from them. Does that make sense so far? Okay, good. So really... Both the Israelites and the Ammonites felt they had claim to this land. The Ammonites had really kind of woven in this idea of the inheritance the Lord had given them. That they had kind of further conquered. That God had given them this land. Likewise, we'll read in a second that the Israelites believed that it was the first land that they conquered even before crossing over the Jordan into Canaan to conquer Canaan. So two groups of people think that they have the same land, that they own the same land. Now does this sound anywhere familiar to things that we see today even? Okay. So there's more to this story. Let's go back to Numbers chapter 32. Actually, not back. We'll go over from Deuteronomy to Numbers chapter So we're going to read first in verse 1 to see what is so important about this land. Verse 1 says, Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of livestock. And when they saw the land of Hazer and the land of Gilead, that indeed the region was a place for livestock, the children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spoke to Moses, to Eleazar the priest, and to the leaders of the congregation, um, saying, Eretroth, Deben, Hazer, Nimrah, Heshbon, Eliah, 
Shabon, Nabo, and Baon, the county which the Lord defeated before the congregation of Israel is a land for livestock, and your servants have livestock. Therefore they said, if we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants as a possession. Do not take us over the Jordan. And Moses said to the children of Gad and the children of Reuben, shall your brethren go to war while you sit here? Now why will you discourage the heart of the children of Israel from going under, over into the land which the Lord has given them? Thus your fathers did when I sent them away from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. For when they went up to the valley of Eshcol and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel, so they did not go into the land which the Lord had given them. So the Lord's anger was aroused on that day. He swore an oath, saying, Surely none of the men who came up from Egypt... For twenty years old and above shall see the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me, except Caleb the son of Jephun the Kenizzite, and Joshua the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. So the Lord's anger was aroused against them, and he made them wander in the wilderness forty years until all the generation that had done evil and in the sight of the Lord was gone. Okay, I read a little bit further than I had planned to read. So I'm going to pause here to say first, it tells us why they wanted this land, right? We know that for many years the Lord had promised again and again that they would inherit the land of Canaan. Yet they get here so close, right, where those lines are mixing right up to the Jordan, and they stop and they say, we don't want to go over the river, over to the promised land, We want to stay here and take this land. So at first Moses was opposed to this idea thinking, well, they don't want to go with us and go to war at Canaan to conquer this land. And so he says no. And then they said, no, we don't mind. We will do that. Let's let's, um, read on. It says says in verse 14, And look, you have arisen in your father's place, this is Moses, a brood of sinful men to increase still more the fierce anger of the Lord against Israel. So Moses knows and he's warning them that generations before them did not want what the Lord had and the Lord kept them wandering for 20 years as a result. He's telling them this. They say say in verse 15, uh, he says in verse 15, for if you turn away from following him, he will once again leave them in the wilderness and you will destroy all these people. Then they came near to him and said, We will build sheepfolds here for our livestock and cities for our little ones, but we ourselves will be armed, ready to go before the children of Israel until we have brought them to their place. And our little ones will dwell in the fortified cities because of the inhabitants of the land. We will not return to our homes until every one of the children of Israel has received his inheritance. For we will not inherit with them on the other side of the Jordan, and beyond, because our inheritance has fallen to us on the eastern side of the Jordan. Then Moses said to them, If you do this thing, if you arm yourselves before the Lord with war, and all your armed men cross over the Jordan before the Lord until he has driven out his enemies from before him, and the land is subdued before the Lord, then afterward you may return and be blameless before the Lord and before Israel, and this land shall be your possession before the Lord. So then he goes on, but his point here is that Moses relents. Moses says, okay, fine. As long as you come with us, we'll go over, we'll cross over into Canaan, we'll take Canaan for our possession, as the Lord has said again and again, y'all will go back and y'all will possess this area in Gilead. 
And what he says is so interesting here. He says in verse 22, then afterward you may retain, you may return and be blameless before the Lord and before Israel. And this land shall be your possession before the Lord. Now he says that they will be blameless before the Lord. He never tells them, this is God's plan, I'm in agreement, this is your inheritance as the Lord has said. He relents. He says they'll be blameless before the Lord only in the fact that they have kept up their end of the bargain to go into Canaan and help to conquer that land for God's people to accept their actual inheritance. So verses 19 through 22, where we we just read these specific things that Moses relents, is a mixing of what God had intended and what they wanted. God had been showing them and speaking to them that Canaan was the land that he would lead them to for years. They saw something they wanted. They even called it and said, this will be our inheritance. Salvation is not up for debate what it means for our lives. We don't get to receive what God's plan is for us and pull in some of what we want and call it God's will and God's purpose. Moses even, God's person, said that they would be blameless. He allowed this to happen. And I believe God holds him accountable for allowing this to happen. But hear this. Blameless because they had helped to establish the promised land inheritance is not the same as receiving God's blessing. See, God established this sacrificial system where we could be blameless in one sense, where sin could be repented of, where we could be as made right with God as God would allow at that time, but that does not mean that we are living God's intention in our lives. Next, let's turn to Joshua 1. Turn over just a few pages. Joshua 1 will be on page 245. So in Joshua, Moses has passed on. Joshua has been appointed the leader of the Israelites to lead them into Canaan, and they're poised and they're ready, and they're just there at the Jordan River. And the Lord says this to Joshua. We'll read verses 2 through 7. He gives Joshua some great encouragement. We'll read one. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over the Jordan, and you and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot tread upon, I have given you as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and this 
and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and the land of the Hittites and the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide an inheritance, the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and be courageous that you may observe to do all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it right or left that you may prosper wherever you go. Now this is the Lord's encouragement to Joshua just before they're about to cross over into the promised land. And he tells them again and again and again, you're going to cross over the Jordan River. This idea of crossing over is so important because again and again, the Lord has his people to cross over. They cross over the Red Sea where he made a way. The word Eber, which is where we get the name Hebrew, comes from a word that means to pass over or cross over. And it's an idea that God's people are those who leave where they're at and go where God is leading. So, Roger, if you would go back, uh, um, forward one map, please. There's two places that describe the land that the Lord is going to give to Israel. The land of Canaan. We've just read one, and this is a map that, that depicts exactly what the Lord was giving to them. This place of the green here. You'll note when the Lord was giving this to them, you'll see Moab over here. And you'll see Ammon over here. You'll see Gilead right here. And Gilead is not in the promised land. Before they entered the promised land, Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh had already staked out their claim. Hear that. God had a plan, and these already had an idea of what they truly wanted. Oh, I, I missed the scripture. Let's turn back a couple of pages to to um, to Numbers 34. Numbers 34. Sorry. We're going to read verses 1 through 12, and it's a lot of verses, but even as I read, you can just look at this map because you'll imagine all of the, the lines that are up here that the Lord said. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses, command the children of Israel and say to them, when you come to the land of Canaan, where? Canaan. When you come to the land of Canaan, this is the land that shall fall to you as an inheritance, the land of Canaan to its boundaries. Your southern border shall be from the wilderness of Zin. Zin is down here. We can see it on another map that we just looked at. You probably noticed it. Along the border of Edom and your southern border shall extend eastward to the end of the Salt Sea. Your border shall turn from the southern side of the ascent of Akrim. Continue to Zin. You shall go on the south of Kadesh Barnea. It shall go to the Hazar Adar and continue to Asmon. The border shall turn from Asmon to the brook of Egypt and it shall end at the sea. As for the western border, you shall have a great sea for a border. This shall be your western border, and it shall be your northern border. 
From the great sea you shall mark out your border line to Mount Hor. From Mount Hor you shall mark out your border to the inheritance of Hamath. Then the direction of the border shall be toward Zadad. The border shall proceed to Ziphron and shall end at Hazar Anon. This shall be your northern border. You shall mark out your eastern border from Hazar Anon to Shephem. The border shall go down from Shephem to Riblah on the east side of Ain. The border shall go down to reach the eastern side of the Sea of Chinnereth. The border shall go down along the Jordan. Along the Jordan it shall end at the Salt Sea. This shall be your land with its surrounding boundaries. The Lord is so specific. He doesn't just tell them Canaan, because I don't know that I imagine Moses walking around with an atlas, right? So the Lord told them exactly where all these things could be. So as if once they, they, they came into Canaan, they could walk a line right down from city to city and mark the border which the Lord was giving them. This was the promise. Okay, so what, what does this all mean? Well, this is very important to Amos' context and to the judgment. So let's go back to Amos chapter 1. Verse 13, Amos says, For three transgressions of the people of Ammon and for four, I will not turn away its punishment because they ripped open the women with child in Gilead that they might enlarge their territory. This should make much more sense now. This people, Ammon, who had had their land and their mind stolen from them by one nation, the Amorites, and now by another nation, the Israelites, who they thought were their kin. A nation whom you remember in Deuteronomy 2, the Lord told Moses, don't mess with them. Don't meddle with these people. Do not go to war with them. I have given them land. You will not possess it. The same Moses who, who a few books later was like, you know, guys, I don't really want to do this, but fine. Now, whether Moses knew that was part of their land, part of our that the Lord had given them, they meddled with them. They confronted him. If they asked the local historian, they probably would have known they just lost that land from the Amorites and they don't like it and they want it back. Oh, we should step away. I remember that great commandment the Lord gave us in Deuteronomy. He said, don't meddle with these people. I've given them land. They are your kin. So Ammon, as a people, they worshiped the god Molech. I know we've heard about this God before, we've taught about him. He was, as an idol, he had the head of an ox, and in front of him, this idol was holding a baby. Horrible, horrible image, horrible idol. Head of an ox and holding a baby, and, and in the midst of the baby in the arms, they would light a fire, and they would sacrifice their firstborn to Moloch. This is the Ammonites. They would sacrifice their firstborn to this pagan god in order to secure financial prosperity and for protection for their borders. 
So they themselves were desensitized to infant death and sacrifice because they wanted to be blessed. We should note in Leviticus 18.21, the Lord tells us that we're not to sacrifice our children to Molech. It's understood that the Ammonites would do what they would do to those in Gilead. Let's just think about Gilead for a moment. Roger, if you'd go back one map, please. Uh, One more, I'm sorry. Thank you so much. We think about this city here, Gilead, that Israel would eventually incorporate that whole territory into their own. This area is really kind of off on its own, separated by greater Israel. There's a river there, and they're off kind of by, their, by themselves. And so what Ammon would do is that they would send small groups, small raids into Gilead when soldiers weren't there, when men weren't there, and they would target families. And they would kill mothers, and as it says, they would rip open their bellies, and they would kill their unborn children inside of them. The goal of Ammon was to get the the tribes of Gad and Manasseh and Reuben, thank you. They wanted them to retreat. They wanted them to give up this land that they believe wasn't theirs in the first place. So more than that, they wanted to commit genocide on this people that they might not reproduce to inhabit this land. This land that was far from what God's inheritance was and isolated and unprotected and easily defeated. So as I've been studying here all week, um, I think there are so many significant spiritual truths to understand here. One is that our spiritual enemy desires to take every human life possible to enlarge their territory. There are incredible similarities to Lot and to Ammon and to these three tribes of Israel who all went after the things of their flesh. The battle for land is forever. The battle for this land exists today. For this land is Jordan, And Jordan isn't a hard nation to find if you search in the news and to see the battle for their land. The confusion of God's direction folded into our desires. See, Manasseh and Reuben and Ephraim, no, Manasseh and Reuben and, thank you, 
Thank you. Reuben, Gad, half-tribe of Manasseh. Didn't even fold in part of God's plan into the, didn't even fold in part of their plan into God's plan. They refused God's plan to make what they wanted seem like God's plan. But what the Lord has so clearly highlighted to me for us to grab a hold of tonight is how each of the judgments that we have read about are against other nations, yes. But the atrocities that these nations committed against Israel were inflamed by Israel's actions. Israel's enemies were warranted and had authority because of their own greed, pride, and selfishness. Ammon committed great evil in killing innocent women and unborn children. But Gilead represents a false inheritance chosen by the flesh and a geography that would be coveted and open to attack. So Israel was reaping evil as a result of their own choice. Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 10 are so appropriate tonight that these things happened to us as examples and were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. I pray that we would hear the Lord's word tonight, that our heart's desire would be for his way and no other way. Amen.